0: Thank you so much. All right. Okay, let's open up in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this opportunity to get together. We just thank you that we can come as a group and and get to know your presence as well as get to know your word, Lord. I pray that no one would leave exactly as they came, but that we would be all changed by your presence and by your words. Not mine, but your words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. amen amen all right so i want to start and and he talked about peeking at notes i think everybody i did send them my notes but i don't think this is where it came from but um i feel like all of our notes have come together today it's gonna be awesome he talked about uh the scripture there mark eleven twenty three, 23 that talked about asking i think we're gonna get something today that's gonna really revolutionize how we understand that verse um how many of you pray ever like if you pray for your food that counts stick your hand up okay so how many of you want to know how to pray better all right so here's here's what i think when we look in scripture there are some places where paul prays in scripture he literally says that i pray this way and then says the things that he prayed for all right I think those are very, very powerful passages for us to look at and pay attention to. And if you're ever wanting to do a study, you can just search for Paul's prayers or the Pauline prayers or, or that. And you'll see that there are several different places where Paul prays. And some people take that practice and they'll, they'll write out those verses and they'll put people's names in. You know, my mom has done that for, for myself and my siblings for years where she would pray those prayers. I'm going to start with one of those prayers. So Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16, Paul is writing, he says, do not, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that, and then here it comes, this is how Paul prayed, that the God of our Lord Jesus, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Now, we're going to close with that scripture again. And when we close, I think it's going to make even more sense at the end than it does right now. But I want to point out something. When, When we pray... I know when when I typically pray, my first thought is, God, please give me this, give me favor, which is a biblical prayer, by the way, but I'm asking for things. Notice, what things did Paul ask for? He didn't ask, in at least that prayer, he didn't ask for things. You know what he asked for? Knowledge and understanding of what we already have. So Paul's prayer was let's look at it again he says i pray making mention in my prayers that god the lord jesus christ the father of glory may give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation revealing in the knowledge of him that he would reveal and that your eyes of understanding being lightened, that you will know again that's another word he's praying not that you get something but that you know what you got See, when Paul prayed, he wasn't focused on the stuff we don't have. Paul was focused on what you have and don't know that you have. He says, I want you to know the hope of the calling, of his calling, and the riches of his glory, of his inheritance. There are other prayers of Paul's. He mentions that inheritance, that which we have received as sons of God. And then what is the exceeding greatness of his power? He wants us to know how great his power is toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. So he says, I want you to know the power. He doesn't pray, oh, give, give them your power. You know why he doesn't pray that? Because we already have it. He says, I'm praying not that you get stuff you don't have, but that you finally figure out what you've already got. How many of you guys ever hide money? <laughs> Anybody ever, like, stick, you know, a, a fold up a 20 or maybe a 50, and you stuff it in some little corner in your wallet or your purse, and you're like, okay, that's in case, just in case. You know, I ever get somewhere and I don't have money for gas or or. Maybe you stick it somewhere in your car, you've got it in the glove box, you got something. How many of you ever do that? Hey, yeah. yeah, you've got quite a few. How many ever needed the money and forgot it was there? <laughs> <laughs> I have totally done that. Like I totally I saved that money and then I, I did exactly what I planned to do. I didn't touch it for regular normal things. And then when I'm out and about and I actually needed it, I forgot <laughs> that I had it. See, Paul is looking at us and he says, Christians are like that. We have power. We're going to see that scripturally power is authority. We have that, but we don't use it every time. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, Against the rulers of this darkness, of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. See, when we look at our lives, our struggle isn't with the checkbook. Our struggle isn't with our boss. Our struggle isn't with our neighbor. Our struggle isn't with our spouse. Our struggle isn't with a person. Our struggle is against principalities and powers. Our struggle is a spiritual thing. It's about the rulers. Notice how many of these things. Principalities, what is a principality? A principality is a power structure against powers or authorities, against rulers. Again, noticing a theme. It's talking about that authority, that influence, that principality, the government of this dark age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Luke chapter 10, verse 19 says, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means will harm you or hurt you. Now, Jesus said to the disciples, to the believers, that's you and I, he says, I have given you authority. How many of you have ever seen a policeman directing traffic? Okay, so the policeman stands there. A semi-truck can be coming at 65 miles an hour. The policeman or policewoman, she could be... Four foot twelve. We're not four foot twelve, that'd be five foot. Four foot ten. <laughs> you know, 110 pounds. She sticks her hands up. That semi-truck stops. Now, why is it stopping? Is she so powerful that she stops that truck? No. That truck sees her, sees the uniform, and understands she has the authority to stop me she represents the police department who represents the government of this city or this state literally that woman represents the power of the entire government and if that police if that truck driver decides to ignore her he doesn't have to deal with 4 foot 10 her. He has to deal with the entire government coming. You realize she's going to report his license number after she jumps out of the way, he's going to end up he's going to end up with a warrant for his arrest. I mean, he'll end up in jail just cuz he wouldn't stop. He recognizes I need to submit to that police person's authority not because of the power that police person personally possesses but because of the authority that police person has and who that police person literally represents first john chapter 4 verse 4 says you are god little children uh, you are of god little children and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world You see, as Christians, we we need to get this understanding. This is what Paul asked for. He said, I pray that you would begin to see the power and authority that you have, that you would begin to to get what you have, not get what you don't have. He didn't pray for new stuff. He says, I pray that they will understand the, the authority that they already have. Greater is he that is in you already than he that is in the world. I remember uh, each summer I used to spend, when I was in high school, I would go back to Mexico. He told me I was born there. I lived there until I was five. Came back to the U.S., forgot almost all my Spanish. And when I was 11, my father called up a pastor in Guadalajara, Mexico and said, we're going to send him down on a plane. These are the dates he arrives. Put him with somebody in your church who doesn't speak English. And that's what they did and every summer from 11 until i moved to live in mexico at i don't know 22 or something like that 23 i would go down to either mexico or sometimes it was another country panama bolivia venezuela cuba some of those other places but always go down and and, and work on my spanish so i was down there when i was 15 i think it was the summer I was 15, and I spent the summer out there um, li- living in Mexico. Went, And uh, by that time, I would preach in churches and do things like that. And there was a, a teen group that was coming to Mexico City, and they needed a translator. And so I went to go work with this group. And I mean, I was only 15. So I'm like with the teenagers, kind of. I'm like half a leader, and I'm half just another teenager, you know. And I remember that there was... a uh, it was They were from different churches in the U.S. and there was a girl who came down there and there was a manifestation of a demon in her. She starts talking in a weird voice. She starts to convulse and, and she had an issue with a demon. And most of these teens had never seen anything like it. They were all Christians. They were all there to go on a mission trip and do that. And so we prayed Cast the demon out of that girl, and it was over. But the part that always sticks with me was that all of these kids were freaked out. We're staying in a hotel, and they had prayed for her on like the second floor. Half the kids who had rooms on the second floor didn't want to stay in their rooms anymore. <laughs> because they're like, where did it go? Is it haunting the second floor? <laughs> and I remember trying to talk to them. I'm like, look, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And and these kids, and we're like, listen, the reason the demon left was because we established that we understood the authority we had in Jesus. He's gone. He can't mess with you. We're gonna get to this verse later, but the Bible says that the devil goes about like a roaring lion. It doesn't say devouring. It says seeking whom he may devour. You see, the devil isn't this ultra all-powerful being. He is the reason he is seeking whom he may devour is cuz he can't devour just anybody. He can only devour those who don't understand that greater is he that is in them than he that is in the world. Resist the devil and he, what? Will flee. Not might flee, could flee, should flee. It says will flee. See, and I've never forgotten how fearful that group of kids were because they still didn't understand what they already had. And so, as Christians, that's what I want to talk about. Matthew, chapter 28, verse 18 says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. This is after he was raised from the dead. That's what he said. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18 to 23 says that, going back, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know the hope of his calling and the riches of his glory and inheritance the saint, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Think about that. And then it says, which he worked in Christ when he raised Him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. See, God wants us to realize that the very same power that raised Christ from the dead is in us. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. In which you once walked according to the course of this world. So he says, you have been made alive. You once walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air, of the authority of the air. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. He says, you used to be under that power among whom also we all once conducted ourselves. We were all, once upon a time, under that power. In the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ... By grace you have been saved. And, listen to this, raised us up together. When Jesus rose from the dead, who was with him? Us. He says he raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness us in Christ Jesus. So we experienced the same power that raised Christ from the dead. that raised us. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says, "I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ, lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. How many of you remember the ver- the song we were singing that said, His life is flowing through my veins? Okay, that's not a cute saying. It's not a allegorical statement. What it's saying is factual. It says, the Bible, that it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. See, when we realize the authority, that, the power that we have been given, that of Christ has been given to us, it will revolutionize the way we function as Christians. We're crucified with Christ. The very same power that lives in him, is in us. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 through 24 says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. See, he says, you are the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 17 says, But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. So when you and I operate as Christians, we are operating like that police officer. The. The situations, life, the devil, when he sees us, he's not just seeing you. He's seeing all the authority, the power that you have been given to represent Jesus himself. You are one in spirit with him. So, all right. How many of you guys ever got mad at Adam? in the Bible. Like, anybody else, you read the story? I remember, like, children's church. You know, Adam was told, don't eat the fruit. Then Adam did it. And I'm just like, why? Why did you do that? Anybody ever think, like, I wish it was me, and then I could have done it better? (laughs) You know, like, I was like, why? Why Why didn't God just... I used to get frustrated by the idea of why did you let him represent us? <laughs> okay, why did you let him represent us? First of all, the Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. First thing we've got to understand is, no matter which one of us had done it, sooner or later, we'd have blown it. All of us. None of us could have done it. So then it's like, well, Adam, I guess, you know, whatever. Whatever. It it, it was you or it was us or it was him or her or somebody, all of us, we would have blown it. But I'm still frustrated that we would have blown it until, you know, I thought, why did he represent all of us? So listen to this, Romans chapter five, verse 17, it says, for if by one man's offense, death reigned through the one much more Those who received abundance of grace and gift of the righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Here's the deal. God is so much smarter than us. Here was his deal. He said, I will allow Adam to represent all of you in failure because if he represents you all in failure, then one person can represent you in victory. See, the reason that God allowed Adam to represent us all was so that he could then send Jesus to represent us all. If, If he had left it to individual merit, we would have all eventually blown it, and one representative couldn't have fixed it. But God, from the beginning, set things up Perfectly so that when Adam sinned and he represented, he represented all of us, the Bible says because of one man's offense, death reigned so much more. Those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign through the one Jesus Christ. He says they will reign in life think about that phrase for a second what would it what does that mean to reign in life what does it mean to reign to reign is to have authority right the king or queen or prince or princess whoever has authority can reign it is to to uh Thinking in Spanish, it's to use that authority. (laughs) So we are to reign in life as Christians in the authority, in the power that Jesus acquired when he represented us. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual host of wickedness in heavenly places. Think about that again. Our fight isn't with people. Our fight is with the demonic. It's with the powers and authorities Colossians chapter 2, verse 15 says, Jesus, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. See, when we get a biblical perspective of demonic power, that they are fallen angels defeated by the death of Jesus Christ, then our perspective totally changes. See, I remember... I think I was 13 in, uh, where were we? We were in the Sierra de Hidalgo. We were in the mountains in Mexico around uh, a village by the name of Ixmiquilpan. And we had gone back into these villages and the town, I don't remember which town I was at, but to get there, you went as far as the road would go, you got out of the car and then you hiked. And you went out to places where they didn't even have electricity yet. And they asked me, this was the first time I had ever been asked to pray for someone with a demonic um, manifestations. And I remember thinking, did I pray enough? I remember thinking, am I spiritual enough? In case you haven't figured it out, that was the wrong question to ask. Because that demon doesn't obey Joshua. See, my power/slash authority doesn't come from how many hours I had personally. Read scripture. My power came from the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that I had experienced with Him. It came from the authority that He gave me. That demon was not going anywhere because of who I was, He was leaving because of who was in me and who I represent when I speak. That concept, we need to revolutionize the way that we think and we realize I'm not earning anything. It's by grace that I have been saved, not by works so that no one can boast. Matthew 4 8 through 9. Again, the devil took. Him up, talking about Jesus, on an exceedingly high mountain. And he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. Now remember, this this happened to Jesus before he died and rose again. Satan came to him. And the Bible says that he tried to tempt him. And he tried three times. Do you think he came with a bluff? I will give you all of this. But he didn't really have it. If I offered you $2 million, what do you think? Do I have $2 million? No. (laughs) You don't know me that well, but I'll just tell you, no. (laughs) Nowhere close. I I can't entice you or tempt you with $2 million I don't have. When the devil said, I will give this to you, he wasn't bluffing. See, he had been given that authority. But... We already read it in Matthew 28, 18. He said, Jesus, after dying, resurrecting, and the Bible says he made a public spectacle of him. He triumphed over that. It says, all authority has been given to me. See, Jesus recaptured that authority. He didn't need Satan to give it to him. He didn't have to play by Satan's rules and and worship Satan in order. No, he didn't, because he knew, I'm going to get it just a few short years from now. I'll be dying on the cross. I'll be raised from the dead. And you, by the way, are going to give me that power and authority then. Colossians chapter 1. I love this verse, 12 through 13. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Inheritance. That's one of the words that was back in that prayer we started with. Where Paul said, I want them to know and understand that inheritance. He said, to be partakers of that inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. Now, some of you might have a translation that says dominion. Anybody got reading one there your says dominion see this kind of power isn't muscle power it's authority power it's reign kingdom power it's like have you have you ever traveled internationally and you realize when you cross right now i am under the i am in the dominion of the us government when i go over a border I'm no longer under their authority. I'm under the authority of the Canadian government (laughs) or the Mexican government or whatever other dominion I'm in. So look at this. It says, he has delivered us from the power or dominion or authority or kingdom of darkness and conveyed us or translated us or moved us into the kingdom of the son of his love see we have been translated we are no longer under that authority 1 Corinthians 15:4 and so it is written the first man adam became a living being the last adam became a life giving Spirit, See, the Bible refers to Adam who sinned as the first Adam, and it refers to Jesus who represented us as the last Adam. And it says the first Adam was a living being, but the second Adam was a life-giving spirit. See, Jesus died, rose again, represented us so that we would have that life. Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. How much authority? How much? Go therefore. When you find a therefore in the Bible, you've got to find out what the therefore is there (laughs) for. The therefore. Go therefore. In other words, go because of what I just said. Right? He says, all authority has been given to me, and because all authority has been given to me, go, make disciples of nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things I have commanded to you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. All right. So, this is the part I'm most excited about, and I'm right near the end of my time. How many of you speak another language? All right, here we go. Have you ever noticed that in other languages, words aren't always the same? It's interesting, it snowed this past week. In English, we don't have very many words for snow. You ever notice? It's snow. Snow. The fluffy stuff, the wet stuff, the falling stuff, the stuff on the ground. You know, we got snow and sleet. That's about it. Maybe if we include hail in there, we have three words, but not, not so much. Just, it's snow. You know, in Sweden, which is way up high, where it snows a lot, they have 25 different words. <laughs> so one word for snow means the light, fluffy stuff. The other means the wet, easy-to-pack stuff, you know, like snowman making snow is the way I would refer to that. Other means blowing snow. Other means floating snow. If you go farther up north to some of the Eskimo tribes, there is an Eskimo tribe with over 50 words for just snow. Because when they say snow, they don't want you to be confused between the snow that floats and the snow that like pelts you in the face. (laughs) Or the wet snow and the dry snow and the crunchy, squeaky snow. You know what I mean? There are a lot of different types. But, but in English, we just have snow. Now, in Greek that the Bible is written was written in, they have more words for some of the things than we know. Most of us are familiar with love. In Greek, there's eros, which is like er, uh, erotic love, like for your spouse. There's phileo, which is like friend love, like for your buddies, or your siblings, your family. And then there's agape, which is God love. And we know that in English, there's just love. But in Greek, there were multiples. I want to read a verse. I want you to pay close attention. It says, John chapter 16, verse 23. It says, in that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask, the Father in my name, he will give you. There was no, on that day, there will be no snow. And the snow on that day will be, do you see what it say? He says, you will ask me nothing, and then he says, and when you ask. Did you notice that? The reason that it does that is because it's not using the same word. It would be like me saying, there will be no wet, fluffy snow on that day, because it will be a blizzard and there will be driving sideways snow. Right? So let's look at those words. It says, in that day, you will ask me nothing. If the Strong's Concordance, can you pull up, I gave you two images. One of them says main concordance on the top. Not that one. It's the other one. Can you pull up that, could you put up that up? Uh, the other one. And then you, I don't know if you can squish it down. This, this is the Strong's Concordance. And it's talking about the word Ask. And the Strong's Concordance gives every Greek word a number so you can tell the difference. That ask number is number 2065. And it says that that term for ask differs from others because it means to request as a favor. So he says, in that day, you will ask, as in ask for a favor, nothing. All right? All right? Then there's another kind of ask. It's word number 154, which is strictly a demand of something due. So there are two words for ask here. One of them is, I'm asking you for a favor. The other one is, I'm asking you for something that I am due. How many of you have a bank account? You ever go to the bank, ask for money? I mean, you're asking, but whose money is it? It's yours. You don't ask for money at the bank the same way that you, you know, a beggar asks for money in the street, do they? No. You come up, you politely say to the the woman, "I would like one hundred and fifty dollars from my account here," and you get it. So here's what this verse says. Jesus says this. He says, "In that day, you will ask me no favors." Instead, whatever you ask, understanding it's already yours, demanding it as something that you have already have a right to, the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked, it's number 154 again. In other words, you have demanded that which was owed. You have never, until now, you've never asked me for what you already have. So basically, he says, until now, you've just been asking me favors, but there's going to be a day when you're going to stop asking me favors, and you're going to come, and you're going to ask for that which you already have. Understanding, you already have it. You will ask, until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Then he says, ask, 154, knowing that it's owed you, And you will receive that your joy may be full. Is that exciting? He says, in that day, let's read this verse again. In that day, you will ask, as in requesting a favor, no more, nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask, understanding it's already yours, of the Father, in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you've never asked, understanding that it's already yours. In my name, ask, knowing that it's already yours, and you will receive that your joy may be full. Jose read a scripture this morning, Mark eleven twenty three. 23. Can anybody remember that scripture? Mark eleven twenty three. It's I don't have that one down, but I did. I went and looked it up beforehand. To see which ask it is. That's number one fifty four, by the way. He says, "Ask and it will be given to you." Let's look at a couple of other scriptures that have the ask number one fifty four. Ephesians chapter three verse twelve. Now him to him who is able to immeasur- to do immeasurably more than we. Ask 154, or imagine according to his will or his power that works in us. James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask understanding that it already belongs to you, and God will give generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. John chapter 14, 13 says, and I will do whatever you ask, not ask a favor, but ask understanding this is already yours. Like requesting a deposit from the bank so that the father may be glorified james chapter 4 verse 2 you just well i'm gonna skip that one i'm just gonna go to jump to james 4 3 when you ask 154 you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may just spend on your getting your pleasures john 1 1st john three twenty two says and receive from him anything we Ask, 154, because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. I could keep going, but I think we get the picture. That Paul prayed asking that we would know what's already ours. He didn't say, he didn't start the prayer with, oh, please, can you give them this and that and the next thing? No, he says, I pray that they will understand, know that their eyes will be opened to what they have. And Jesus says, the day will come when you're not going to be begging me for favors. You're gonna understand, I already did it. I did it all. Now, you can simply act with the authority that you've been given. The Bible says, know that you have eternal life. It doesn't say wait and find out. How many of you know that you asked for God for forgiveness of your sins, and He forgave? You have now been represented, you have been translated from that kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. How many of you know that's you? Raise your hand. The Bible says you should know that. You don't wonder, you don't wait around until you die to find out, you know it. Okay, if you are here today and you don't know, I want to give you that chance. The Bible says in in Romans 10, 9, and 10, it says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, you will be saved. Well, saved from what? Saved from that dominion, from that other kingdom, from that authority, and translated into his kingdom means you're saved from the sin that separates you from God. If you want to do that today, you can. I'd like everybody to just close your eyes for a moment. In just a second, I'm going to ask, if you want to do that, to raise your hand. We're going to pray just like that scripture says, and we will know that the righteousness of God righteousness of Jesus Christ, that sinlessness, becomes translated or applied to us. If you're here today and you want to know that you've been translated from that kingdom to the other, you can do it today. Just raise your hand and we'll pray together. One, two, three. Raise that hand. Is there anybody here? We're going to close with this prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love us, that you sent your son to die in our place. Thank you for allowing Adam to represent us so that Jesus could represent us. We love you, and we pray that you will open our eyes to the understanding of what we have. Head, guys and give it up for pastor josh thank you so much